0: thoughts episode 197 starts now
1: Uh, for the
0: last uh five or six seven years golf spiritual leader and coach tim have combined forces to bring you the best in golf mental performance nonsense nigh on all these years together and we have perfected it (laughs) what's that How's that for some crappy improv <laughs> uh, no, It was
1: fine. Um, <laughs> it was, was it? I was it? talking to my sister on the weekend, talking to my sister on the weekend, who's not a golfer. She goes, I was telling her, seven years, approaching 200. She goes, who knew you could talk about golf for upwards of 200 episodes?
0: I know, it's sad, really. <laughs> yeah, who knew you could talk about every aspect of golf you and I—I I don't. I'm sure the uh, STDs realize that. You know, most of your days and a great amount of my days are spent doing this, whether we're recording or not. So, exactly. Uh, brought to you by Jonathan Wong Apparel. We had a nice chat with Jonathan Wong last weekend. Uh, last week, I should say, and we're looking forward to getting our JW Apparel uh, stuff. Uh, have you got anything uh, delivered yet? It's, it's on the way.
1: Not yet, I, I keep looking
0: Not anxiously uh, Optimistically on my yeah. front porch Haven't seen anything yet Well, we're very excited And we'd like you to be too Go to jwapparelinc.com And of course uh, Our title sponsor TailorMade, The all new stealth carbon wood By TaylorMade I can tell you, I get asked about it Every time I'm playing I'm, and I, I, I've been with the company a, a long time uh, even predating our relationship, and I've never had as many golfers ask me about a golf club as this one. I'm not sure if that's your experience, but the uh, the carbon wood. Uh, they yeah. ask. Everyone wants yeah, to take a ask. look at it. Yeah. You're a tailor-made. Ooh, you got the stealth. Got
1: the stealth. Yep. <laughs> and I hit it on number 10 at Blue Springs. Yeah. A narrow, interesting hole. Crazy hole. Hit it to the bottom of the hill for the first time
0: in a couple years. Not surprised. There you go. You know, you're. I, I, I describe you like a lot of good players. I say, you know, you move the ball with speed. Um, and I'm not surprised. So if you can move a golf ball with speed, the TaylorMade driver is going to give you three to four miles an hour for sure, which translates to more carry, more uh, distance, uh, rollout, etc. If you want to find out more, visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca and For the first time in some time, I don't know, do I have a sound effect for this? All right. Um, We'll go with that. (laughs) There's a bunch of stuff going on there. I'll just say that uh, for the first time in a while, we welcome a new sponsor. You've heard us uh, interview these people, and now Tim and I are not only uh, in, in business, but we're clients as well. Neuropeak Pro neuropeakpro.com is where you find out about breathing heart rate variability and brain performance these guys are the real deal Charles is uh, Charles Fitzsimmons is uh, the one that introduced both of us to these nice people Andy and Samantha our coach but whether it's uh, golf or business entrepreneurs educators and students alike will benefit from learning how to control your breathing and not just like you know namaste (laughs) Uh, I'm into day eight or nine of doing my little breathing exercises. And it really is interesting to find out just how to sort of control your diaphragmatic breathing in a way that gives you um, a calmness. And I don't want to go into the parasympathetic nervous system. They can do that. But I don't know what you have. Have you not found that there's a certain vibe that you feel after you've been doing the exercises?
1: Yeah, um, you know what? It's interesting. So less of the vibe for me is more of the feeling of just a really good belly breath and mm-hmm. really feeling that when I inhale that, like I just really feel that uh, expansion into yes. my belly. And I was noticing it on Saturday when I was playing. How I could just call upon it at certain times, you know, when I stand up from a putt, maybe my head's a bit spinny because I mm-hmm. you know, stood up quickly. Yeah, being a
0: certain vintage, <laughs> I get that sometimes too. I'm like, why am I? I'm. It's so. It's so great being old. Where's it's these like stars. Coming I know. From? It's like, why am I woozy? Oh, I know. I stood up. It's like you know. It's like that joke about why is my shoulder hurt? Oh, that's right. I slept last night. <laughs> that's right. Oh, why? Why am I spinning out? Oh, I tied my shoes. <laughs> (laughs) It's ridiculous. Uh, Let me continue and tell you that stars like Jordan Spieth, Bryson DeChambeau, and more uh, have added Neuropeak Pro's precision breathing training to their training program in January neuropeak pro introduced the intel belt a first of its kind real-time training device and mobile app designed to help unlock peak performance through better more intentional breathing and that's what it's all about find out more at neuropeakpro.com now um i'm okay at the line of scrimmage to make a different call i thought our guest uh one of your students was going to join us later and then we were going to do some stuff first but he's here now so let's just switch it let's do some stuff with craig Call an audible and uh, then we'll talk about uh, some of the other stuff uh, after Uh, I think I've mentioned a bunch of times recently that Tim and Nate Robinson have started a program called quiet mind golf and Tim of course has been giving the quiet mind putting clinics now for several years so why don't you take over and explain who we're going to talk to and why (laughs) well
1: uh, we're going to welcome Craig Reed uh, to the podcast today how you doing Craig
2: doing well doing well.
0: Are yeah, you? good to see you. Hello, man. Craig. All yes, right. I'm golf spiritual leader. Don't be intimidated.
2: I, know. I, I feel honored to meet you.
0: <laughs> Don't be intimidated. I'm just like other spiritual leaders. Only I suck. <laughs> anyway, thanks, Craig.
2: We actually used to, Howard and I used to live in the same neighborhood, and believe it or not, I used to drive by your house pretty much every morning on my way to work, but I never saw any unicycling, unfortunately.
0: Oh, no, that's right. You heard the unicycle. I, well, I used to, well, if you know where I used to live, there was that grade on those driveways, and I went streaming down the the driveway of my Bayshire rhino Roadhouse. Oh, anyway, well, welcome to the show. Tim, why don't you take over and explain, because I read Tim's blog, and if you don't if you don't subscribe to it, let me tell you right now, it's, it's beautiful, it's valuable, O'ConnorGolf.com. CA, But this week's blog, um, and Craig, here's the weird thing. I didn't realize, I knew you were going to be on the show, but I didn't realize you were the one that Tim was talking about. Tim? Yeah, so, yeah, Craig is
1: one of uh, our students, if you will, in Nate Robinson and I's Quiet Mind Golf Group. It's a six-month coaching group. But I've known Craig going back to last summer and we're going to get into some interesting experiences especially one a couple of weeks ago that Craig had with chipping but Craig maybe a good place to start is to give us a bit of your golf background and how you and I came to met and meet and why
2: sure um well i guess i'd start back um picked up golf in my early 20s which you know do i wish i had started as a kid we all do yes of course we do because um, learning anything as adult is tough but i actually got reasonably good at the game pretty quickly i got super hooked on it um anything i do i do to the nines as anyone who knows me will attest so Um, got really into golf and and got down to, you know, 10, 12 handicap. I was always, you know, I I could, I had a a good friend of mine as a member of the national Could get around the national, you know, mid eighties usually, and um, broke 80 a bunch of times, Um, you know, never got really into single digits, but I was knocking on the door. And then uh, I guess life happened, right? Um, Work, travel, kids. And I just kind of shelved the game for a little while and came back to it probably you know i I played occasionally in my 30s when i was really really busy in my 40s i kind of got came back to the game and had a regular four ball sunday morning you know my game wasn't where it used to be i you know i was high 80s i I played a lot at um at uh, piper's heath you know i played high 80s low 90s kind of thing on a Every weekday, and, and the funny thing is, I always used to have a lot of confidence off the tee, especially when I was playing in my earlier days. I'd just stand up and stripe it, um, and I found, um, you know, as I kind of went through in my 40s, I was not playing a lot, but I always kind of had that confidence that yeah, if I really apply myself, I can get back to you know um, probably single digits because it's it's in there somewhere. And then um, I actually um, left a business, had a, a one-year non-compete coming out of a business so I kind of exited. And, um, and I decided, well, now's the time to get serious about golf. And this is like six years ago. And I joined uh, Mississauga uh, Golf Country Club. And, um, <laughs> and I don't know what happened, but I went uh, uh, within, you know, a six to 12-month period. I just, I got to the point where I couldn't break hundred. And in fact, I went through a period where um, I couldn't break 110. Um, I was losing so many balls. I was, I was losing like 15 balls around, um, mostly off the tees, sculling them out of the greens into the river, all kinds of stuff. And in fact, funny story, I actually had to have a, an airstrike called in from the pro shop for an extra box of balls halfway <laughs> through the round in order to... Uh, Make it the rest
0: and of the way straight. through. So uh, That's so uh, good. You know, that's that is such a straight. that is such a great so golf term. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, air straight, I love that. Yeah.
1: So it got to the point where you were really struggling with whether they wanted to play this game or yeah. not. And I think that's yeah. where you and I met, correct? Yeah,
2: that's right. And and the yips, um it kind of it started at the green. Although the funny thing is I never had the putting yips. I was always fine with putting i can you know once i get on the green it's like my safe zone i can i can get it in the hole but shipping sand shots um and especially off the tee, is just you know and then of course you go through the you know the swing rolodex as you call it tim you're out on the range trying everything you can to try to limp around the limp around the course and you know you'd find a swing key that would work for you know a hole and a half something like that and then you'd have a bad swing and then you'd try something else and and it was just like it was on repeat and and in fact to the point where i was like you know and when i when i met tim actually i was like you know i'm really considering giving up the game um but but for the fact that you know i've got a lot of good buddies at, at the club and um and i enjoy that aspect of it that's probably what kept me in it was there encouragement, and um, but it, but there were some dark days. You know, there were some really dark days, and some yeah. you know times on the on the course where you're just uh, you know you're out there in a beautiful day in a beautiful setting, and you're in a you're in a dark place. That's not a good thing. So, so that's uh, yeah. That's what before I we
1: yeah, so before we get, I want to get into the the chipping thing and uh, in, in that, but. Interesting, eh, Howard? The the dark days. I mean, oh, yeah. people who don't understand golfers may not get that when we talk dark days. I mean, serious, like sleepless nights, yeah. not being
0: able to like focus on work. You know, impacts relationships. Really, it's that serious. Well, Craig, before we we tell the story of how Tim and Nate have uh, helped you, I, I want to go back to something you said and and, and bang on, uh, Timberly there. You know, people who don't understand the depths of attachment we have to golf can't understand how a guy who's very successful like you, Craig, who's obviously accomplished, athletic, has abilities. You can swing a golf club with speed, so you're not dinking it out there 160 yards. How you can be so distraught over, a, a, someone would say, a silly game how you could be so where darkness would it to the point where you're like, I am thinking of not doing this anymore. And I can tell you why I relate because when I left golf in the early 2000s, you know, I had had a pretty decent run at it, but I got to the point where I just didn't, I, I wasn't getting anything out of it anymore and actually gave it up for about 10 years. So I totally relate. And I think everyone can relate to what you're saying in different times in our golf lives and uh, golf lives and before you talk chipping i do want to ask what so you you got a hold of tim and how has life changed in your golf world at least in the last year before we talk about quiet mind uh chipping and putting
2: yeah i guess um just a much different outlook i think that that tim's been able to sort of help me see that, you know, there, there's different reasons why we golf, you know, the first thing Tim had me do is write down why I golf. And that was actually kind of illuminating for me because, you know, there's, there's reasons in there that have nothing to do with my swing or, you know, what my score is on any given day. So that, that caused a bit of, you know, self check. And then, you know, I, I just, I got to the point where I was actually able to come to some level of acceptance. So you know, hey, maybe it's never. you know, maybe I just have to accept the fact that I'm never going to be, you know, a 10 or 12 handicap again. Maybe I'm just going to be a 20 handicapper and I'm going to need to be okay with that. Am I going to try to be a 10 again? Yes. Am I, you know, am I going to ruin my time with my friends and my, you know, my enjoyment of the game because of that? No, I need to get to a different place yeah. mentally. And I think that's really what, what Tim helped me kind of get to and you know it was funny because he said at the outset you know oftentimes things evolve into you know life as well and beyond golf and that's sort of where our relationship went which was very beneficial as well
0: well and that's the thing i I would say from not only being around tim but other people in this sort of category which is you know there's something about golfers it's like i'll be happy when I can shoot 82 or I'll be happy when I get my handicap down or I'll be happy. Meanwhile, there's all this stuff going on that has nothing to do, as you say, with your golf swing or score that could also make you happy. But for some reason with golfers, we push that aside and make it so And in, in what I've learned over the last six or seven years, my own self is that you need to get happy and then whatever the results are happen will happen and then you'll have some equanimity around whatever those results are
2: yeah and actually there's one thing that i it's important that i didn't really mention as as part of this whole story and that is sort of the the crush that i discovered well most people discover is you know a few bevies bevies before the round kind of mm-hmm. loosens you up and uh and you know makes you not care as much and in fact, my partner and I won the member member last year based on a, a perfect combination of
0: <laughs> <laughs> of alcohol and, yeah. and strokes.
2: Yes, exactly. So-
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You give a guy enough shots and enough beer.
2: Well, actually, we had a two-hour rain delay before we teed off in the final round. We we're in the final group, and uh, had it not been for that delay, because we were stuck in the in the pub drinking, so I think we probably <laughs> wouldn't have won if we hadn't been stuck in that rain delay, but. But that you know, in, in on a serious note, you know that that was something else I thought a lot about. I don't want to have to drink alcohol in order to you know free my mind up and free my body up to do you know to play golf and, and enjoy it. So that was another big motivation for me. Is you know that 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 crutch can't can't be there for very long because that's that's a dark road too.
1: Yeah. Cool. Thanks, man. Thanks for being uh, open enough to share that. Yeah. I, 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 I honor you for that so yeah it's been a, a very interesting road man since we met last summer and gone through all kinds of stuff um, and there we went into this year we Nate and I started the quiet mind golf group and you accepted uh, the invitation it's interesting Howard that uh, Nate has been working with uh, Craig on his on his swing I've been handling you know kind of like the, uh, the other parts of, of golf so we started up with our, our group we started with putting and we went through a lot of uh, exercises that uh, Howard you've gone through the retinal after image that yep. type of thing but uh, Craig you had a pretty good experience with that but as you said at the outset putting's never been really a big deal but then we got into chipping which our next session our next live session was at Rattlesnake Point and um why don't you just take it from here in terms of what you were thinking about, what you were feeling going into that session and what you were hoping for?
2: I was mostly feeling cold, Tim. <laughs> going into that. It was cold. <laughs> it was a cold and windy day at Rattlesnake. Um, yeah, I, I um, you know, I, I was just curious to see what, you know, we were going to do that, was along the lines of, of, like I figured it would be something along the lines of the retinal after image or, something, some kind of trickery that you would have up your sleeve to, uh, to, to sort us out. But, but it was very much unexpected, um, what we did and, and I'll kind of describe it. Um, so Tim had me, what he said was, you know, I just want to take, take your wedge. And in my case, it was a 60 and I just want you to bruise the grass with your wedge. So, just get in a nice rhythm and, and bruise the grass. And so I just keep I started, the stroke going, eh? Yeah, just get it going. Just get a nice rhythm bruising the grass. And then so I started doing that and I got to a point where I could feel a nice, a nice rhythm going. And then he said, Okay, now I want you to close your eyes. And so, you know, I closed my eyes and I could just kind of feel that feel that rhythm. And then he said, Okay, I'm gonna put a ball in front of your club and I'm not going to tell you when I do it. And I said, first of all, do you think you have a death wish? Like, <laughs> 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 But, uh, but it was fascinating because, um, you know, I, I just, I was just, okay. And I just kept my rhythm and then you'd, you'd hear click and then click and a few more strokes click. And they, they all felt, you can feel when a chip feels good. Sure. And, and they all they all felt good, and you know we stopped the exercise. and And the thing that really just kind of was like this aha moment was my body figured out what to do in order to create that rhythm. So you know, I had my weight on my on the lefty, I had my weight on my right foot. I was sort of stabilized. You know, I had a certain posture. My arms were working a certain way, and I. And it's, you know, Tim's been, we've been talking about this that, you know, and I, and I know that, um, you know, the Fred, we always laugh in the, by mind group, it's the Fred Shoemaker game, we have to take a drink every time he says Fred Shoemaker, but, um, you know, that, that your body knows what to do. And it was that moment where it was like, my body knows what to do. It actually knows what to do. And... One of the other members of the group said, you know, if I was to tell somebody or show a new golfer how to chip, I would say, look at that guy. Watch that. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, that's mind boggling. And then it got even more interesting because we started a game of 18, which... um, Par 18? Par 18. I I know the game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we did three holes of par 18 and I got up and down on the first two and lipped out on the on the third hole for me to get up and down once a year <laughs> would be a miracle um to do it two times in a row just unbelievable so you know i, I came away from that experience and i i forget exactly how i described it tim <laughs> you probably remember oh, I- better than i do it I think I said it was a religious experience of bibl- biblical proportions.
0: <laughs> yeah, I read that what? in the blog. I'm like, oh, again, only a golfer could find something so simple to be something of significance. Yeah, but, but yeah, go ahead, appreciate- Tim. You wanted to pop. I wanted to say something else, but you you wanted to pop in there, Timmy.
1: Yeah, no, it was so cool, Craig. That you, so you did the thing—the continuous stroke. Eyes closed, and then you you looked up, and you saw the balls in kind of like a relatively tight circle on the green, yeah. Yeah. and just the smile on your face was amazing. And as you kept going, and then you went, okay, let's see if I can do it with my eyes open, and like you were, like it was so cool, you were like ecstatic, and yeah, your your exact quote was, I think this is an, this is epic on a, on a, a, a biblical level,
0: proportions, yeah. amazing.
1: Because you had, you'd in essence, broken through. But the interesting thing here, Howard, that I uh, is that, as Craig said, someone in the group said, if I was going to teach someone how to chip, I'd say, look at this guy. Look at Craig. And the thing is, is that neither Nate nor I gave him one instructional tip or any instruction whatsoever. It was all Craig's doing. All that we did... And I borrowed basically what I did, and I adapted a Fred Shoemaker putting ex- exercise to this, and he figured it out on his own.
0: His body taught him how to do it. Okay, so and and I'm going to comment on something in a second because I I I don't want to debate brains versus body, but you know, your body is attached to the thing that sits inside your skull, <laughs> so. Clearly you now, we, we, we should have said So Craig obviously You can hear from this story Had the chipping yips. Chipping was a bit of an issue For him like a lot of people it is and, you know... A huge issue. It's a huge issue for a lot of people. It's a, it is. It's a huge issue for a lot of people. And, and for some reason, people like Craig, who can swing it well and hit a driver, no problem, they get close to a green, and all of a sudden the tension level rises. And I don't need to explain why people have this phenomenon, but it has to do with proximity and expectation. I think you know that. But it is interesting to me that all it took for Tim and Nate to interrupt... Your story of I Can't Chip was to show you that your body, we'll say for the sake of this discussion, that your body knows somewhere inside its memory or sensation, it knows how to do it. And, And yeah, somebody who's not as insightful as uh, my man here, Coach Tim, might spend the afternoon with you, showing you where in your stance to put the ball, and you've had a million tips from friends, you've gone on YouTube, you've seen everything. But the simple activity of closing your eyes and feeling the clubhead interrupted a a, a nervous physical sensation. So the question I was going to ask, and you sort of answered it, was when you opened your eyes, Mm -hmm. you were still able to replicate that feeling yeah is that a yes yes okay have you played since that time
2: i have i've played several times and
0: how has the chipping been since then
2: uh it's been dramatically better amazing i would say that that um you know i've dropped my game by 10 strokes actually um you know, pretty much right away. That's a lot.
0: Wow. <laughs> that is a lot. You really, well, no, no, I, a lot of I was going to
2: say, I was going to say, you really, as a percentage, as a percentage, it's lower than you might think. How, how bad
0: were you chipping? That's just a joke, Gary, uh, Craig, I don't want to get into your head. So you've had success on the golf course, which is amazing.
2: Yeah, yeah actually, you. it was really funny stories. We played with, uh, one of the members that I hadn't played with, before, but but knew quite well, and, and he said after the round, he said, "Wow, you got a really good short game." I'm, <laughs> I just started laughing. I'm like oh, boy, yeah, <laughs> That's, that's great. great. You have no, you idea. you know, it
0: does it does go to something that I, you know, we talk a lot about on and off the air. Just that is, you know, all all of and and I say this respectfully. I'm not saying that what Tim and Nate didn't do was amazing, but a lot of this, your problems were just a story, you know, just a thing that you yeah. said to yourself. And basically what happens is, and I, I got some recent I read this recently, so I'm just regurgitating it, but if you say I can't chip, what happens to your brain is it looks for evidence to support that. Yeah. And and you go out and as soon as you have a you know so you know you have this thought i'm a bad chipper that's what you think so your brain goes oh okay well let me show you let me show let me prove that to you and every opportunity you have to chip or pitch a ball is an opportunity for your brain to go you said we suck so i'm going to show you that mm-hmm. now the story you're going to have to get used to is i can do this i've proven it to myself
2: yeah yeah and and i will say you know i can't say it's all sunshine and roses because there have been holes where I got into that old sort of habit or frame of mind or, you know, I didn't take my time to sort of just feel the club head, you know, bruise the grass, whatever, just to get in that same frame of mind. And, you know, because you're hurrying or, you're, you know, whatever, and you, you skull it or you chunk it or whatever. And the difference now, though, is it's more like, okay, I got in my own way there. Mm-hmm. Not that I can't do it. Before it was a I can't do it. Now it's a I know I can do it. I just didn't do it that time. Yes. That and that's the big difference. And and I guess that, you know, actually I want to go back to something you said, Howard, which is yes, I've had all those short game lessons. Yes, I've watched all the YouTube videos. I've you know, I've done it all. And and to me, the difference is those are all external. So those are all things that other people are, are showing you they're external to you it's like somebody else's ideas or somebody else's thoughts and feelings or whatever these were my thoughts and feelings these were internal to me and that was the difference it was like my body figured it out no, nobody could have showed me that I don't think they could have said put your weight on this foot you know make your your arm needs to feel a certain like you can you, only you can get your own feelings nobody else can tell you and I think a lot of in retrospect golf instruction and what this is so different about Nate and Tim is they're encouraging you to find your own feelings the things that your body knows how to do that get you to execute the way you can
0: well, I think that's a great endorsement of uh, not only what uh, you've learned, but also the way that Nate and Tim are going about, you know, helping people find something. And the, and the last thing I'll say before we let you go is just Timmy, like, what a great endorsement! Not only that, but Craig and others like him, you are going to then you then you sort of own it. You like, okay. Yeah. And by the way, just for and for the record, just so you know, like, we all make bad chips. The difference is when you get into that rut of. I'm a bad chipper pitcher, whatever, put your part of your golf game there. Then whenever, again, back to the evidence. So you have one bad chip. I'm a bad chipper. Listen, I, I, I stubbed a chip the other day. It was a difficult chip. I was trying to, you know, I, I just didn't come out the way I planned it, but I didn't walk away going, well, I guess I, I can I can chip now because that's not a story I tell myself. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the thing I would say for everyone listening, The the big takeaway for me is, and, and should be for others is that, it's not about externally focused stuff, it's internally, and, and that's a you know bravo to both of you, sweet angels. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, one of the things that I find
1: that's really interesting, maybe just as we start to wind this down with Craig, is that element of giving up control giving up the idea okay i have to do this you know i have to keep my weight forward i need to feel you know my right wrist is flat my right wrist is hinged or i need to do this i need to accelerate my uh, through it all that stuff that we've read about we've seen youtube etc etc and it's just been my experience you know both as a as a obsessed golfer <coughs> golf nerd and through my work fortune with people like Carl Morris and Fred Shoemaker is that's not how we roll as humans that we have capabilities but as you said it's an inside game okay, yeah. Craig in terms yeah. of your ability to do it and finding what works for you yes indeed a coach other people can help you very much to just speed that process up by creating say an environment You know, and get you some feedback and and that kind of thing. But mainly, I find when people start to achieve a degree of flow in golf or in any other parts of their lives, is that there's kind of like a surrendering to my own internal wisdom and allowing that to flourish. So... Kudos well, to you that I, I was I, Just
0: to really finish so up to watch. what you were just saying about people, everyone has abilities, and, and sometimes it takes somebody like you to open up that person's, to to be curious. I, I think Craig actually said that, that you went into that session with a, a curiosity, and I would say that about, you know, I'm going to talk in the next half hour after we say goodbye a little bit. Of, it's a, By the way, I'm introducing a new feature. <laughs> it's called... Uh, it's called um, um, uh, from the from the desk of gsl from <laughs> so i'm gonna You're i'm gonna from do the cloud yes yeah, from the cloud and just gonna come down i'm gonna share some gsl stuff with you but but what i loved about this session with uh, craig is that all you did was show craig what was already inside which is there's a possibility a curiosity that maybe you aren't a terrible chipper because again says who You know what I mean? Like I I get up and down, you know, I I don't know if you've heard, but I'm involved in this thing called decade, but I can tell you what my up and down statistics are to a decimal point. And so if I don't get up and down every single time, I don't panic because you can't have an average without, you know, there's sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. So um, anyway, thanks for uh, opening up and uh, sharing your story with us. We certainly appreciate it, man.
1: My pleasure. Yeah. Thanks, Craig. Thanks very much for coming
0: on. Right, and this good. has been a lot of fun, too, eh? Yeah, it
1: sure
0: has. Okay, well, listen, mate. Right,
1: so we'll see you Friday. All right, sounds good.
0: Quiet mind! That's why I could not be involved, because I'm loud. Well, I'm, I'm doing my own. It's called Loud Yelling Golf, where I just yell at you, like Gilbert Gottfried for half an hour. Why do you suck? And then you... Anyway, it's a whole different program. It's, it's very aggressive. Thanks, Craig. All right, All right. Dave, see you, All right there's Bye. Craig. Craig Reed. And he, he i can't believe he drew, drove by my house all those times he didn't knock on the door I did have oh, I, every okay. once in a while I would have listeners knock on my door and really? uh, yeah it was famously uh, it was a listener slash an acquaintance. I got fired in two thousand six uh quite publicly actually it was on the cover <laughs> this is funny it was on the cover I was the lead this is how I uh, used to be quite no- notorious I was on the lead page of the National Post Entertainment. I got fired on a Wednesday. That Saturday was a big picture of me, and it said, Humble Howard fired. And uh, That was a bit uh, weird for me and my family, and I get a knock on the door that Sunday, the day after the article came out. Some guy just knew where I lived, knocked on the door, and it turned out to be one of the dads from one of my daughter's soccer uh, Uh teams. He knocked on the door and he's like, "Humble, humble, you got to tell me what happened." I'm like, "No, I don't, because I don't know your last name." <laughs> now away yeah. with you. How do I? I to- thought maybe he was going to say, "I just wanted to see you're okay." No, he's just, I he he wanted love you. He, you know what it was? Was yeah, it would've been nice, but he was basically like, "I know, humble. I know where he lives. I'm going to just rock up to his doorstep and ask him about a very private matter, a matter that I saw in the right newspaper." Boy, oh, I know. That, That's why I said that to him,
1: story went in a very different direction than I thought it. Was. I thought, you know, aren't people great? Yeah, people no, want to well, help out.
0: It's just <laughs> but, another. But I always remember that. You have to tell me, he said. You have to tell me what happened. I went, I do not have to. Because I don't know <laughs> your last name, sir. Maybe if we were closer, like I knew your last uh, name. Okay. Oh, man. So here we go with uh, I call this Golf Journaling with GSL. You are going to love this.
1: Does the laughter cancel out the the atmospheric (laughs) vibe here?
0: (laughs) Golf journaling with GSL. Today, I felt like I was observing the activity as opposed to being so immersed you almost suffocate. I play my best golf when I don't take any of it, any shot, any outcome, any putt or score personally. When I play ping pong, I don't care if I swing and miss the table. I just pick the ball up and play on. This is the state I'm looking to create. It comes first, by the way. Most of us think if I play well, then I'll be happy. But that's actually backwards. Manage your state, take your full turn, and it's more likely you'll make better decisions, which tend to lead to lower scores. This has been Golf Journaling with GSL. So can I, I uh, pardon me, sir. <laughs> can I say uh, amen? You can say Namaste. Hallelujah. Um, I wrote that uh, because I'm starting to do this. I'm starting to do some golf journaling, and I'm also doing it for my group, the uh, decade devotees, the double Ds, I call them make your own big titty jokes wait that's not where, that's not how we roll in the double D's <laughs> so, we're, above that. we're above that we're above that you in can the think all D- you want folks. we're above that <laughs> you can I'm not even a double D guy I just thought it was fun Um. so I wrote that for myself I know some guys are I know some guys are okay let's just be men some guys love the double D's
1: move on move on I'm GSL. not one of them. you're in you're in you're in rarefied territory now you've come back down M- move out anyway move up
0: I'm just telling you, that's not my style. Here's how I, uh, if you were in a better mood, I would tell you my, my double D joke, but I can see you're not in a mood. So here's the thing. I wrote that. What? I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I shouldn't say you're not in a good mood. We we want to keep this uh, very spiritual. So I wrote that for myself, uh, and I've been doing that after every round. Just a little note to myself. Like, okay, what did you feel? How did you think? What worked? What, what was sort of your state? And, um, I think I've mentioned to you, I was sort of mentally struggling a little bit, you know, in the early season. My rounds have been pretty erratic for me. I've had some very low rounds and I've had some higher rounds than normal. And, you know, I think I've shared with you some, you know, some stuff going on in my personal life, which is, you know, affects your golf. And so I'm kind of working through it. And part of the reason I started journaling is I, I want to, as a golfer and as a person, separate like what is real And what is me being in a, you know, a little bit of a state and, you know, and we all listen we all have stuff that goes on in our personal lives that affect our golf and vice versa. I mean, one of the things that Craig said is so I relate so much to it is that feeling of heaviness and darkness we get if we're disappointed in our golf. And what does that mean? And why does it mean so much? But you know, I'm not here to debate why it means so much. It's, it's clear it does to you and me and our Swing Thoughts family. It means a lot to us, and it's hard for people who don't golf to understand how much it means to us. Gary Craig, I should say, I keep calling him Gary. Craig is a very accomplished guy. in shape. He's got a great, you know, life, and yet he was feeling a weird darkness about some stupid game. The reason I mentioned ping pong in that little diatribe there is I think about, I, like, I play a lot of ping pong. I love it. And I have such a fun relationship with the game. Like, I'm decent. I'm probably single digit, you know, ping pong player. Like, I'm, I'm decent at it. I've been playing my whole life. My brothers and I grew up playing it. But I never take it personally. You could wax me. You could beat me 21 nothing, And no part of it would I feel shame about it. But I feel a lot of shame around golf. I, I think I have felt shame around golf and I wonder if others do as well oh gosh absolutely Craig
1: Craig discussed it today I went through that I remember a couple weeks ago I had a round at Blue Springs where every drive on the back nine was dead left and I had this heaviness around me for two days of oh what's going on here which in ping pong if you went and like oh god how come I can't cut it oh my god (laughs) yeah I guess all this work is just gone in for nothing. <laughs> all this great ping pong ping work pong I've been doing. You know, maybe I'm not doing enough uh, right arm flexion exercises or yeah. something. I mean, it's just nuts. And the thing is, we can't control these thoughts. I mean, I we, we cannot control our thinking and these feelings. This stuff just comes up and it's just stuff we have to deal with. Hopefully we respond more than we just, you know, react as we've talked about many times. But... That's just what we're dealt with because we make such a connection to it and it's it's what we desire, it's what we want, it's how we, we see ourselves and Yeah,
0: I totally get it. Well that word I and I, I don't know that we've delved much into it, but that's really what it is for a lot of golfers. We are feeling That word shame? That word shame. I know we've is talked that the about that word you mean? Yeah. That word. That's a heavy word. It is and and, and I know the work word. well here's the thing. I know you relate to it because of the work you've done in the Mankind project. I relate to it because, you know, it's you know, I've done some work myself, therapy-wise and counseling-wise. And, you know, there's a lot of that around golf. And what is it really? Well, what am I ashamed of that, you know, people won't think I'm a good golfer or I won't think I'm a good golfer or if I have a bad round driving or I hit, I hit every drive on the back nine left? What does it really matter? But it does matter. And, and I can understand. I relate to the fact that I shot 81 on men's night again After an uncharacteristic couple of holes where I got all worked up about something. And then a couple days later, you know, I go back to back shooting low 70s. And that's why I wrote that journal that when I observe the activity Mm -hmm. in a detached fashion, when I can detach from results being something that make me happy or sad or shamed, I always play better. And even if I don't shoot the number that I think I should, et cetera, et cetera, I just have a lighter feeling by being more in the ping pong mindset, which is I'm a, like I said to Craig, you're allowed to hit a bad chip. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. But so many golfers do that linear. They do it quickly. We go, I, I did all this work in my chipping clinic, and now I'm still being shitty at chipping. I must be a bad person. Which for none? Well, there you go.
1: So that's yeah. that's exactly why I wanted to go with this is to take a, a a bit of a dive into when we're talking about shame. What are we actually talking about? Exactly. Because a lot of people don't really know. So, um, so let's differentiate it. So, so guilt is a lot of people get them confused. Guilt is eh, I kind of made a, I made a mistake, and I'm going to learn from it. But in shame, it's more like in the degrees of it. Shame is more like. It cuts us kind of to our soul. It's like that punch in the gut. It's something's gone on in our lives in which this is this is this is bad. Mm-hmm. And when you get into toxic shame, it's not the fact that say I was a bad golfer today that I am bad. Like as a person, mm-hmm. I'm I'm a bad person. I'm sick. I'm unredeemable. I'm a loser. All this, all this stuff and it's baggage man that comes back family of origin stuff and often going back generations generations all this stuff carries carries through into our lives now so yeah shame's a tough one and but it it's often it's it just takes some time like you talked about how you've had some stuff going on in your personal life so if you kind of look at your life on a horizontal plane we go along like Okay, things are going, and then boom, down we go. And it's absolutely necessary that we go down. It's it's it. It doesn't mean we've made a mistake. Oh, I'm uh, I'm I'm sad. I I gotta stop being sad. Uh, no, you're down there because you're working through stuff, and there's some pain you've got. It's almost like there's wounds that you have to have to heal from, and that takes time. It takes healing. So, oftentimes, when we have these feelings of, of of shame is to understand, okay, what's going on here? Oh yeah. I'm back in my stuff of this stuff and, and, and then just over time we kind of climb out of it. There's no magic way to come out of it. Um you know there's no magic fix or anything like that. Often it's just kind of a really you know, really I'm caught i have caught in my story, really. Yeah. I got these feelings and these stories, this is it's all cyclical. It all feeds on each other. But eventually we can come out of it. And sometimes we need some help just talking to a friend, uh, releasing it. A lot of these things are just stuff that goes around in our head like a hamster on a wheel. And if we tell someone who we trust and we feel safe, often that can really
0: lead, lead to that healing. Yeah, yes to all. I mean, you know, processing what's going on in my personal life it leads to processing, you know, sort of more about the golfing life. But... Yeah, and and again it's going to take a while to kind of get it all figured out and I'm not like you know like I, I I had a couple of rounds where you know I had a lot of weird feelings around them like I was sort of like have I regressed and I started to think like am I going backwards now and yep and uh you know talking to some people counselors and and such I you know I and that's why I started journaling because I want to I want to know what it was I was what I, what were you thinking and why and and how do you create a state where your best golf can come out that that and also how you can be happiest as a person and again let's not debate anymore with our family here that golf is important to all of us it just is um <laughs> but i don't want to leave this without giving a couple of you know decade-esque little tidbits here because when we're feeling these this way oftentimes we, I, again, I, I, felt last Wednesday a bit of regression to, well, I can't believe I did that. I had a couple of holes where I was like, really, Howard? Like, here you are telling all these guys, you know, take your full term, blah blah blah, and then you didn't. And uh, I then I thought about it after. I'm like, well, even you're allowed, even you, the great GNL, even I'm allowed because I'm a human being, <laughs> absolutely, to not do it yep. perfectly all the time. But I will tell you a couple days later, again, this is the, the point being I felt better about myself. I'd had a little time, more time to process what was going on with me. And then I played on Saturday. And if it wasn't for Gortner, Gortner. It wasn't for Gortner shooting 69, like a yikes guy, I would have been the lowest round that day. I, I, uh, I said that to him. I'm like, dude, it's not because he's like a plus two. And I shot 73. Yeah. But here's when I shot the 73. It's not that there was the score was more in keeping with what I see myself. I just kind of was in a mode, a lighter mood and in a mode of being more present. And here's the decade part. So, you know, I always talk about not stubbing chips or two chipping or whatever. And I was talking to Craig there. I was just hitting it nicely, and I hit a, I hit a shot into a par five. I had about sixty five yards. I flushed it. I, I hit the downslope of a little hill, and so instead of you know grabbing, it kicked forward, and I was about I don't know more not more than twelve or thirteen paces away from the flag but i was in a bit of a stubby lie and it was kind of sitting down and and what i didn't want to do was hit it 40 feet past the flag so i was being a little cuter than i normally am and i stubbed the chip it went four feet in front of me just got onto the fringe but where an um an earlier version of myself a more shame based version i would have quickly gone and hit that because i was away I would have quickly gone and hit the 12-foot putt, and I missed it, and then whatever. But I I just stopped myself, and I went, okay, well, that was a difficult chip, so I'm not going to... It didn't didn't stick to me. And then I went around, and I paced that putt, and I looked at it just like it was any other putt, the same way I would do if it was a birdie or a par, or, or whatever it was. And I was... I was proud of that. I was thought, okay, well that's good awareness. Like I took my full turn. I gave that putt all the attention I would give it if I wasn't feeling weird about having just stubbed a chip. And, um, and that was great. Now the fact that it went in is a bonus and makes the story better. But I, what I, what I enjoyed about the process was I gave it every chance to go in. Had it not, I would have walked away going, well, that was a tough chip, you gave a good putt, let's go on to the next hole. Versus what we all tend to do from time to time is stub the chip, quickly hit the putt, hit it six feet by, now you're three putting and you made seven. And I just that, that happens to all of us. So that's a little bit of like uh, from real life GSL stuff where that's why decade works so well for me at least because I know that that stroke counts just as much as the drive I hit. And I'm, a, I'm aware to the point where I'm going to give it all the attention it deserves. And I thank you for your attention.
1: Well, yeah. Um, I have a slightly different take on this. And I think decade could have been a factor, but I also just think that you were stronger. And what I mean by that was that you've been through some stuff last couple of weeks. And so when we're in... St- we're in stress we're a bit more in survival mode so it's far h- harder to to really grasp onto our our true self and to be and to really have in essence the courage to be our true self mm-hmm. rather than say rushing through something because I, I don't know what the guys are going to think or let me get get out of here that's not being t- true to yourself is no you know, I'm going to take my time. But you need to be in a place where you're feeling a degree of equanimity. Yep. You can keep your boundaries strong. I'm okay. No one's going to die here, especially me. So I'm going to take my time doing this. And and so you, you basically, you're able to avail yourself of of your full self. Um, and, and we need to ha- be in a place that we need to be rested we need to just be in a, in a quieter place you look at any parts of your life where there's stuff when you're in upheaval um it's just so hard to bring yourself to your full self to your work to fully concentrate on what's going on or just even sometimes even just to hold a conversation because you're distracted why is that because in your subconscious your your ego and everything is trying to work this shit out and sometimes that takes time no i, I agree and so
0: we wait for ourselves to come to come back out. Uh, I, I agree, and I guess maybe why I, you know, I mentioned the decade part because what you just described and what I'm trying to describe is that managing your state comes before managing your game. Mm-hmm. Now, decade yeah, has given absolutely. Decade has given me the perspective, but one of the things I wrote after that round was even if the chip even if the putt didn't go in it was the act of taking my turn after a disappointment it had a chance yeah. because and i wrote this because managing my state is what keeps you in the present which is where better decisions are made and yeah you know all the what you've uh, said is very true that yeah i was in a bit better m- mood i was in a better place to forgive myself and again that's such a thing that golfers no, I don't, I'm as guilty as anyone, like, of having been in the past unable to forgive a bad shot. Like I'm not allowed to make one. Where is the yeah, last exactly. few? T- and, and again, normally, I mean, I one of the reasons I got to where I am as a player is I've gotten very good at that. But recently, because of as you say, my brain and body are process processing other things. I haven't had that as as available. Let's say. You know, like I shot 81 a week ago with 12 greens and regulations. So there was some stuff going on in a couple other holes that were so out of character for me. I made decisions I wouldn't normally make. And I thought about it after. I'm like, wow, like you still can do that. But of course I can. I'm just a regular, you know, dude.
1: That's what, yeah. It's so it's like, as I say to, to my clients very often, I say, thank you for confirming. You are humanity. Yeah, you are a person. Yeah, <laughs> and that's, that's the true. Thing that 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 you know, it, joking aside, sometimes we think we're you know enlightened or evolved. No, we're not. We're humans. We're we're bags of skin, and we have these things that we do, and we can make some poor decisions because we're just kind of in a in a crappy state, like like you described. But just before we get before we leave this, um, I, I just want to say a fantastic example of what journaling can do for you uh, I recommend journaling to all my clients after every game write out you know what happened for you often write down your best three uh, shots etc but the thing that I think that the key thing what journaling does if you just keep writing and writing and writing or typing and typing if you will if you just keep that going and don't stop you don't evaluate it and go like oh this is stupid or anything if you just keep going you drop up, down, below your ego mind, into more of your subconscious. That stuff, where in in essence, to connect with, you lose control of what you're writing, and then you're getting down into the real stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's that's some of the great stuff about journaling. So I just, so uh, thank you for that and um,
0: for sharing that. that well, awesome. I haven't, I haven't really. I mean, I you know, I do a lot of post round post mortem in terms of entering statistics and you know, going over the strokes gained and did I gain more than I lost? But this is different. This is like, what am I feeling? What am I worried about? What are my thoughts? This is some coaching I've been getting. What are my thoughts about my goals and and what I'm working on? Thoughts about upcoming games. Why does it matter? Why do I believe this to be true? That's why I said to Craig, you know, you're the one that, the fact that you, That whole story about how I was close to 12 and now I'm shooting 110, all of that isn't... You're physically still able to shoot a 12 handicap. The only reason you shoot 110 has nothing to do with your physical ability. It's just a story you've created to the point where he wanted to quit. Like I said, you could beat me every game of ping pong. And I'd still be able to... I'd still come back to ping pong the next day because I don't give a shit about it. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, um, that's yeah. So there you go. Thanks, everybody. Uh, Thanks to Craig Reed for opening up. Um, Tim and I are playing a uh, tournament again together on uh, this weekend. It's our uh, early bird at St. Thomas. If you're hearing this on Friday, which is when we're going to release the uh, episode uh, tonight at the St. Thomas Club, Charles Fitzsimmons and myself are giving a little uh, our very first uh, talk called Pathways to Par, which a uh, title that was hatched here on the show. <laughs> Pathways to Par with Fitz and myself. Tim's going to be there. Our buddy Ronan. It's just going to be all this and more. Uh, I won't be doing my act. Hopefully, although it's hard for me, I, I get it. I get in front of people, and it's like another. It's like a weird thing kicks in with me, and I start doing crowd work. <laughs> 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 But uh, I think it'll be valuable. At least, I tell you what, Fitz has got some great stuff and uh, I'll be sharing some of my uh, decade uh, insights and um, and Tim might even get up and tell a story or two, so. Are you looking forward to playing in this tournament, Tim?
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Again, my brother Pat is going to caddy for me. Aww. Um, playing St. Thomas is such a treat. We've talked about it a few times. It's one of the... I would say hidden gems yep. of golf, certainly in Ontario, perhaps in Canada. Stanley Thompson Course—it's just incredible, and it's freaking difficult. So the thing that I've been working on this week—not working on—is just is what's my intention for the round, and the intention is to go and and just to to be able to just allow shots to happen i want to create shots i want to play in a good in a state of freedom and not to live and die with my score because i'm of a certain vintage i'm 65 Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna be it's a tough golf course i think they're
0: playing it from about what 64 65 uh for you it'll be 64 50 or so yeah so that's still you know it's got some length to it yeah and it's a difficult
1: golf course so I know that I'll get sucked back into my stuff, my story every once in a while. Oh, my God, I'm a coach. I'm not supposed to make double bogeys. Uh, if I can let go of that stuff and just yeah. allow and accept, then, then I'll come out of it um, with what I can really offer, and that's to
0: have some fun with my brother and have a great time playing golf. You know, I've been saying this now for a couple years about that golf course because – you know, I'm playing it from close to 7,000 yards, and ever since they lengthened it for one of, I think it was the Canadian Amateur or the Ontario Amateur, I'm not sure, but ever since they lengthened it, yeah, because it used to be playing, I used to play the back tees, within a few years ago, it was like 6,700 yards. And as soon as I got to the 69 and close to 7,000 yard mark, I started creating, I started telling this story to myself and others. Oh my God, it's so long. And I decided this week Mm -hmm. that I wasn't going to go into this tournament because one of the reasons we say that it's a tough golf course, it's too long for me, I'm 65, I'm 62, is what we're doing and I'm just going to say this because I've thought a lot about it this week, is that we're giving ourselves a pre-excuse for what if we don't have a great score, what does that say about us, etc. Exactly. So I'm going into this tournament, I'm going to try and do the best I can and if the best I can is a higher score than maybe I'd like, I'm going to live with it. I'm going to, But I'm not going to not try because I've set up a scenario where it's too long. And here's what I did for myself. I went on Google Earth a couple days ago, and I just did all the measurements, you know, the decade measurements about, you know, decisions. But what I did is I wanted to see for myself, given my average drive, where I would be if I just hit a normal drive on some of the holes that I think are too long for me. And I went, no, I'm, those are absolutely yardages I'm comfortable with. Because I don't want to go there thinking it's too much golf course for me, because that's just an excuse for what if I play shitty? Well, what if you do play shitty? you know like so what if we both of us played shitty it doesn't matter but i don't want to i don't want to back into it and go well you know i can't hit these shots cuz i can't and so can you mm-hmm. so that's what i would leave you with yeah thanks All all right all right anyway well thanks again thanks very much to our sponsors of course jwapparelinc.com tailor made of course good lord Good Lord, TaylorMade. Thank you so much for being so generous to us. Us, TaylorMadeGolf.ca. And our very uh, latest NeuroPeak Pro. NeuroPeakPro.com is where you find out more. How do you get a hold of Tim O'Connor? Well, he'll tell you. O'ConnorGolf.ca It's not too late to join the Quiet Mind Golf Group. You can tell it's making a difference in people's lives, and it can make a difference in yours. And, of course, follow us here at uh, HumbleFred, HumbleAndFred.com, and uh, we will see you next week. I step inside, but you don't see too many faces.